coordinating everything today and just for everyone. Um, so let's look into the Word of God this morning. Um, our key scripture this morning is going to be from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And it simply says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So just kind of let that sink in a little bit. When, when babies are born, they can't talk. We don't expect them to talk. You're going to have a baby soon right back here. And in you know September, we'll have two more trower babies in the church. They're not going to talk when they're born. We won't expect them to talk. They'll cry. They'll find ways to express themselves. But you know, as children start to grow and they hear words and words get into their head and into their heart and they repeat them, they learn to start using them. Several years ago, my family was out to dinner with a family with small children and there was a three-year-old in the mix and she was trying to get her mother's attention, not so successfully at first. <laughs> uh, when the mother finally realized the little one was trying to get a hold of her, she said, use your words. And we all just said, what? We found this kind of amusing. But the mom was trying to teach the little girl, you know words now. Speak. Quit crying and pointing. And, eh. Use your words. Use your words. And that has kind of become a running joke in our family when someone kind of falters with what they can't express themselves. Use your words. Yeah. <laughs> but words have power. You know, when words are used with precision and with eloquence, they can persuade us. When too many words are used at one time, you can get bored or kind of lost. For example, when someone uses 40 words, when five words would be sufficient, please cross the street. Please line up, stand straight, look both ways, then proceed. Just tell me cross the street. Five words are plenty. Or you know the opposite. Sometimes when you need a good long explanation and they just tell you something very simple, it's not enough words. Tell me more. Tell me more. But words have power. When words are used carelessly, they can cause harm and destruction. Like Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When your words are used with thoughtfulness, they can brighten our day. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. So how are we to use our words? Proverbs 18.21 says that power of life and death is right here in the tongue. How are you going to use your words? To bring life? To bring death? To build up? To tear down? Have you ever been around those people whose conversation is always negative? And you walk away and you're like, oh, it's just so tiring. And you walk away, everything is negative. You know, you could look out and say, oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, but it's so hot and it's so humid and now I'm sweaty. And now, okay, never mind. You know, oh, what a beautiful day. Yes, I see sunshine. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Just nothing has changed about outside. Just the words that were used to describe it. I like to be around people who leave me refreshed when I walk away, whose words are encouraging, whose words will build me up who kind of exemplify Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
few years ago um, at my church in the U.S., we were hosting this big drama presentation over the weekend. You guys may have heard of it. It's called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. It's been all around the world, translated into many different languages. So there's a production company, and they send a small team, usually a couple and their, their children, to your church. They come in on a Friday, teach you everything, and you present this drama on a Sunday through a Tuesday. So they came to my church, and I was the one responsible for everything at the church side. I had to find the actors. I had to coordinate for setup and tear down and find all the materials and the staging and get everybody lined up for food and who's going to do follow-up and who's going to do all these things. So wouldn't you know, the Friday arrives, we get there, we're supposed to come. It was the absolute worst day at work. Everything that could go wrong in the office that day went wrong, last minute emergencies, ah, so stressful. Traffic was really, really bad. We were living in a metropolitan area of Baltimore at that time. Heavy, heavy traffic getting there. Couldn't even stop to get food on the way. And I come into church and, <laughs> and I meet the people from the production company. And, said, and it was such a bad day at work. And it was, <laughs> and I was just pure chaos. I was just, <laughs> and the husband, he said, oh, but that's done now. And now you can relax and enjoy the weekend. I went, oh, oh, okay. Just like that, he took my chaos and calmed it down so that my chaos didn't set the tone for the whole weekend. And it was a great weekend. How do you use your words? The truth is we can only use words that are inside of us. We can only use what's in our hearts. In Luke 6.45, Jesus tells us, that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Key word there is abundance. Abundance is defined there as overflowing fullness, extremely plentiful or oversufficient supply or quantity. When you buy a bottle of water, it's not usually filled all the way to the top. There's a little bit of room left, but if you've ever traveled inside China, they fill their bottles all the way to the top. When you unscrew the top, you have to be careful because if, if you're not careful, water's coming out because it is literally to the top of the bottle. What's inside comes out. So if Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks, the question becomes, what is in abundance in my heart? What am I filling my heart with to the point that when I open my mouth, that's what's coming out? What's going to, what's going to come out? Will it be words of chaos or words of peace? Will it be words of kindness, words of revenge? Will it be words of forgiveness, like Ephesians 4.32 um, encourages? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you? Will it be words that crush a person or words that revive them and refresh them? Like Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, ne for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Will it be words that remind me that God is sovereign? Like Romans 8.28, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
Will it be words that remind me that our wonderful, great God never sleeps? He never gets tired? Like Psalm 121, verses 4 through 7. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. So I know this, I can lay down and go to sleep. I can sleep peacefully knowing that God is still awake and he's looking after everything that concerns me. What is an abundance in your heart? Let's go back to that opening verse again, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In the original language, the sentence structure is a little different. The words are kind of flipped, and it would read, the word of Christ let dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And the reason is because in Greek, they put the main point first. So the word of Christ, Paul is saying, this is the main point of this verse. The word of Christ, let it dwell in you richly and let, for us in English, is kind of a passive word, like, oh, let this, you know, maybe this, maybe that. In the original language, it wasn't a passive word. It was a command. It was a command. Let this be in your heart. Let it dwell richly. The word dwell means to live in and in, to live inside one and influence for good. The word richly there is the same word that was used for abundant by Jesus. So overflowing fullness. Hasby, can you come and help me with something? I need visual aids sometimes. <laughs> I'm a visual learner. You will hold the cup over there. Over there, yeah. Yeah, just over the thing. Okay, so if our definition is over, abundance is overflowing fullness, tell me when this is, over, this is abundant. Is it abundant now? No. Is it abundant now? No. What about now? It's still not abundant. Now it's abundant. It's overflowing. There's so much going in that it's overflowing. This represents us. The water represents the word. The word of God should be in our lives so much that it's overflowing. When it's overflowing, it's going to influence everything around us. It's going to influence what we do. If I bump this, water comes out. If I squeeze it, water comes out. The word of God should be so much in our hearts that when we get bumped, when someone's rude to us, the word is what comes out. When we get squeezed by the pressures of life, and we all get squeezed at some point the word of god should be what comes flowing out of us it should affect everything our attitude our behavior our actions our reactions we have to have the word in our heart when the word is overflowing and someone treats me cruelly as they're going to do at times then colossians 3 12 through 13 will come flowing out of me and i can put on humility and I can put on kindness because that's what I've been putting inside me. 
when the word is overflowing in my life and the rent is due, I see my bank account doesn't have the money for the rent. But because I've been putting the word in me, I will remember Philippians 4.19, that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. When the word is overflowing in my life and I've had a horrible day at work and family drama is just coming from every direction, I will remember 1 Peter 5, 7 and cast all my cares on the Lord. I will remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and be anxious for nothing. I will remember that he will guard my heart and my mind in peace. I can lie down and sleep and wake again because as David said in Psalm 3, 5, I can lay down because he sustains me. Question is, what's overflowing in your heart? What is in there that's going to come out? When God's word is overflowing in our heart, it will uproot false words that have been planted in us. When God's word is overflowing in our hearts, we can silence the lies of the enemy that he tries to tell us. He'll come at times and try and tell us, you are a mistake. No, I'm not. <coughs> because I was formed in my mother's womb, according to Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. You're not good enough. You're inadequate. You've got no, there's nothing you can offer. No. God's word says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When the enemy tries to tell us, you have no hope. There's no, just give up. There's no hope for you. No, God has a plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Oh, that's all good, but your sins are too great. You've messed up too much. No, the word of God is overflowing in me, and I know Isaiah 1:18 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Okay, okay, so you know that, but you have to work really hard to be saved. <laughs> no, I don't. No, the word of God is overflowing in my life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells me, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should, bo should boast. We have to have God's word inside of us. We can't use what's not inside of us. We need his word inside of us to the point that it's overflowing and influencing everything that we do. How do we do that? Really simple. You pick it up and you start reading. It really is that simple. You start reading, you keep reading. As you do, his, his word takes root in your heart. A few years ago, uh, my coworker Beth, who you all know, Beth, um, she'll be back. She'll be back soon from the U.S. She misses you. She, she sends her greetings. Beth and I, every week in our office, as part of our devotions, we listen to our pastor from the U.S. And he started a series on the Book of James, and he was encouraging everyone over this five-week series, once a week, read the Book of James. Very short, five chapters. So this was his challenge to the church. He said, now for those of you who would like a little bigger challenge, read it once a day for five weeks. 
five chapters. I looked in my Bible, I said, oh, two pages front to back. I can do that every day for five weeks. So I did, we both did. Every day for five weeks, we, we either read or we listened to the book of James. It took about 15, 20 minutes. And I noticed the effect it began to have on me. That little book was overflowing in my life, in my heart. And I noticed it, the influence it had on my actions. When people started to irritate me, I wanted to lash out and instantly say something, but I remembered what I had read in the book of James. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Someone made me mad and I wanted to go and tell somebody else, don't grumble against each other. Oh, man. <laughs> when the word is overflowing, it affects our actions. It affects our attitudes. It's really that simple. Start with something small. Read it. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Say, but I don't understand. Okay, I started reading, but... I don't know how to put on kindness. I've been wounded. I don't know how to do that. Our God is so wonderful and so gracious. He didn't just give us his word and walk away and leave us without a teacher. I mean, what kind of God would say, here's your instruction book. Hope you can figure that out. Bye-bye. Good luck. No. God gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us, to help us. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What a gracious, wonderful God. He doesn't just say, good luck, figure it out on your own. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us. When we begin to read and we begin to study and we don't understand, we can stop and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. When you begin to, I notice, I know many of us in this room speak more than one language or speak parts of different languages. When you started learning that second language, did you stop the moment it got difficult? No. You kept going. You kept going. Keep going. Keep reading the word. Get it in your heart. There's a, there are a couple old expressions. What you feed grow, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Or even more simply, use it or lose it. If I stop pouring water into this glass, as long as I keep pouring water, it stays full and it keeps overflowing. But if I stop and I walk away, the first thing that happens is it's not overflowing anymore. There's no more influence. If it gets bumped, there's not going to be much coming out. But over time, the water will evaporate light and air situations of life will cause the water to dry up unless there's a continual filling of the water the water will dry up unless we continue to put the word in our hearts it will dry up we lose our influence our reactions are not as they should be when I was a, when I was a student I studied French I started it age 12 in middle school. I studied for two years in middle school, four years in high school, three years in university. I could have a conversation. I could read books. In fact, I even read Les Miserables in French in high school. This is how good my French was. In university, my teacher came to me one day. She was the head of the language department. She said, Julie, 
Your French is so good. Your accent is so natural. Your comprehension is so good. You really need to consider adding a second major or at least a minor in French. And you know, at 21, I thought, eh, why will, how will I ever use French in my life? Really, I'm not going anywhere. I had no plans to move overseas at that time. Now I live in Hong Kong and my pastor at Lighthouse is a French Canadian. <laughs> um, but you know, so I had all of these ideas. Oh, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need it. So I didn't pursue it. And when I graduated from university in 1994, I stopped studying French. I quit learning. I quit putting it in. Today, my French is almost gone. I, I remember very little. Pastor Rene has helped me to put some, to you know, call some back. It's still back there in the recesses of my mind, but it's almost gone. The same will happen if we quit putting the word in our hearts. We have to have his word in our hearts until it overflows. In closing, I want to read um, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, about the word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We're going to close with a time of worship. And then after that, we'll have some opportunity to respond in prayer.